This is Sheffield Live. We're open for business live. Hello and welcome to episode 388 of Business Live here on Sheffield Live FM and DAB Radio online and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jamie Veach. This is our show for curious entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs. And what would a dream job look like for a young person? Might it, for some, involve the gaming industry? Well, it did for our two guests today. One of them who says in the interview that she has secured her dream job. I talk with Eva and Ruth, who've recently graduated from the Game Programmer Apprenticeship Programme, set up by the Sumo Digital Academy. They've become the first in the country to graduate on that apprenticeship programme and have both secured jobs. They talk about what it was like to be on the programme, their experiences, their day-to-day experiences on the programme, and we hear more about their tips for people who might want to apply to the next cohort, the 24 to 25 programme. Applications for that open on the 4th of September and close on the 29th of September. But there were nine people who graduated as part of the 22 to 23 cohort. Eva and Ruth the first to find out that they've graduated. Um, Meanwhile, there are more people on a new cohort, but we hear from Eva and from Ruth now about their experiences on this apprenticeship, what it meant on a day-to-day basis, and how it has given them the opportunity to get jobs in game development. We're open for business life. Eva, Ruth, thanks ever so much for joining us on the Business Live radio show and podcast today. Congratulations on your roles and tell us a little bit about whether you always wanted to work in the gaming industry. Ruth first, please. Yeah, hi. uh, Thank you. Um, Yeah, so I actually started out in biology. Um, I focused on science at school um, and did biological sciences at university. in industry on the Norfolk Broads um, and it was only after I graduated uh, and really started to think that I I really liked biology I was really interested in it but it wasn't what I wanted to do um, for a career Um, and I'd always been interested in games and quite liked games um, and was like thinking about you know what worked about them what didn't sort of how they could be improved Um, but I'd always just dismissed it because I didn't know about computers so um, yeah, after I graduated, I really started to think about it seriously and um, started an online um, course on how to program in Unity and C Sharp mm. and realised that I really enjoyed it and actually I could do it um, and I could learn computers. That's a fascinating background and um, uh, position to be in. And, and what about you, Eva? Had had, had gaming and working in uh, in gaming been a burning desire for you since you were uh, younger or did it come to you later on? Uh, no, not at all. I actually studied physics and up until finishing my master's in particle physics, I thought I would follow an academic path as a researcher, uh, hopefully worked at CERN and, you know, all that. But soon after that, I found myself actually working as a software developer for a big investment bank. And it was only when I was one year into that job that I realized that being a game programmer is an actual career path and that is way more fun. And it's something that I could pursue and be good at. 
I see. Okay, great stuff. And so staying with you for a moment or two, Eva, what then made you apply to this apprenticeship program rather than perhaps explore other routes? So when I decided that I wanted to be a game programmer, I did some research and I discovered that my existing programmer experience would not land me a role, even as a junior in the industry, uh, as I didn't have any experience with C++ or C Sharp. So I had decided to do a master's in the Aberte University in Dundee in mm. order to gain that experience and retrain as a game programmer. But then I found out about the apprenticeship and I learned that the applications had just opened. So being paid to learn in an established game studio is a much preferable route rather than paying tuition fees with no guarantee of a job afterwards. So I decided to give it a go. I see. Brilliant. And Ruth, coming back to you, that the programme itself it's described as this alternative pathway into the career, with Sumo being very clear that previous game programming experience is not required, but applicants have to demonstrate their learning potential as game programmers. So when you applied, how did you demonstrate that potential? Yeah, um, yeah, that was what drew me to the apprenticeship as well. Um, and Yes, this opportunity. So part of the application process, um, so you have to, uh, first, well, when I did it, I had to do this, um, they provided some uh, like educational resources, uh, they're called the Play Buffer. Um, so that's tutorial, um, you sort of work through um, as part of the application. And um, I actually started out, I did the Sumo's diversity internship training, um, training program before the apprenticeship. Mm. And um, yeah, um, so when I did this tutorial for that uh, application, um, I actually sort of stopped um, when I was partway through working through it, um, sort of hit a block and uh, it sort of stopped working. Um, so I tried to debug the problem, uh, tried to work out how to fix it, um, but ended up sort of having to sort of submit for the deadline. And so along with my submission, I included in the emails of my step-by-step of what I did, how I did, um, like why, how I tried to sort of solve the problem, um, different uh, routes I took. And I think that just demonstrating my ability to problem solve and my approach to the problem and my work ethic um, was what really, um, I think, impressed them uh, when applying for the apprenticeship. Because, um, yeah, say it's they're going to be teaching us C++, so it's not so much about our just raw knowledge of programming, it's our sort of soft skills and our, yeah, just our willingness to learn and our approach to solving problems. Makes absolute sense. And I will flag up the diversity internship training program in the show notes as well. So anyone who's just heard you mention that and think, well, that also sounds super interesting, do check the show notes because we'll link through to that. Eva, if you can just tell us a little bit about how you demonstrated your potential when you applied, that would be really interesting too. Sure. As Ruth mentioned, the application process involves a large amount of self-learning. So I also completed the play buffer tutorial prior to applying. And then I was provided with uh, access to a Udemy course on C++ that 
took me through the basics. And after that, there was a test to confirm that I had completed that. And the final stage of the application involved a two-day project where I was required to use all that knowledge to add new features to a game that I was given. So the process has changed a bit. For example, last year, instead of this final project, the candidates took part in a two-day game jam. Mm. But in any case, I was given all the materials and resources I needed to demonstrate um, yeah, my willingness to learn and aptitude for programming. Yes, right. Brilliant. In terms of a typical week, that would be perhaps quite difficult to describe. But what what was a day-to-day experience on the programme like for, for you, Ruth? Yes, yeah, so uh, throughout the apprenticeship, we um, did quite a few different projects. Um, but for our largest one that took up like the um, sort of majority of the apprenticeship, um, we were in sort of two groups um, and we were organising ourselves for part of it. So um, it was kind of to simulate like what it would be like on a real game project. So we were having um, scrum meetings every morning, um, talk about what we were going to do, um, regular playtesting of the project that we were um, working on. Um, and But then that was interspersed with lectures and tutorials uh, from the academy tutors as well. So it was, um, yeah, interspersed with sort of more um, like structured learning. Right. Yeah. So really interesting and quite diverse as well in terms of how it would work, but also realistic. So you're getting that understanding of what it's going to be like while you're working in the industry on the programme anyway. Um, Fascinating stuff. Eva, for for, for you, tell us a little bit about some of the products or projects or both, in fact, that you got to work on during the course of the programme. So there were various smaller projects we worked on either individually or in pairs. Uh, But the two main projects that we ended up working on in teams of five were the new release of Zulris I mentioned and Mm. creating a game engine from scratch, which we used to build a prototype for the next Academy game. So I mainly worked on the game engine and prototype project, which was challenging, but it was also really fun. So we got to work on low-level parts of the engine, and when it was time to start creating our prototype, the team got to design the various features, and we worked alongside the Academy artist Martina as well, which was another aspect of working in a, in a larger multidisciplinary team. Again, that must be so valuable to get that sort of experience with, within the program itself. Thinking about what pushed you, what challenged you, what you found hard during the course of the program. I wonder, Ruth, if you can tell us what were difficult, what were challenging elements of it, and what was most valuable in terms of those challenges? Yeah, so um, throughout apprenticeship, uh, but especially early on um, when we would be given tasks or especially tutorial tasks. Um, so throughout the apprenticeship, um, yeah, uh, I've quite struggled a lot with um, imposter syndrome um, and that feeling that, uh, you know, I don't deserve to be here, even though it's despite everything I've been through. So um, encountering sort of taking on these tasks that um, to start with can seem quite overwhelming and quite um, 
challenging to take on, but I'm not sure, not immediately sure what route to take. Um, yeah, it was quite a struggle um, and quite difficult at times, but at the same time was also one of the most valuable experiences because then going through that challenge and overcoming it and then sort of realising that actually I do know how to do this task and I can do it, um, yeah, it was just um, really encouraging um, and, uh, yeah, it really helped me grow a lot uh, over the course of the apprenticeship. And it's something that comes up a lot on this programme when we're talking with both new business leaders who've set up a, a business and we're talking with people who have been running a business for a very, very long time. Lots of people mention imposter syndrome and lots of people when they're going into something something new, a new industry um, in the way that you're talking about on the apprenticeship have, have talked about it. So it's certainly common and, and, and it can be very difficult and debilitating, but it sounds as though the programme and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. It sounds as though the program gave you gave you that confidence at the same time as testing you. Is is that fair to say? Yes, definitely. Uh, the tutors have been really supportive the whole way through, really encouraging. Um, so yeah, and we've always been given yeah a variety of tasks um, that yeah keep pushing us and keep um, having to develop our skills. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, really helped a lot. That's that's good to hear. And and for you, Eva, can you tell me about what was most valuable and again what was most challenging for you on the program? For me, the most challenging part was uh working on the game engine after only four months into the apprenticeship. So writing an engine from scratch involves an understanding of concepts that at that stage you might not even have heard of or thought about. So in retrospect, I have the bigger picture and know how everything fits together. But for a certain period of time at the start of that project, we had to kind of trust the process and learn on the job and that kind of unknown area and just such a vast area of knowledge is what I found a bit scary. But I think that's also the most viable experience I had during the apprenticeship. Yes. Um, it was yeah. the highlight. As a former backend programmer, I loved working on the engine. And I think that the technical knowledge that we all got out of that will prove very useful, even when working with an industry standard engine like Unreal. Right. Okay. That's brilliant. Again, super interesting. And congratulations to you both. You're, you have become the first in the country to graduate from this program. And you've both gone on to secure what sound to me like absolutely brilliant roles within the industry. Bruce, can you tell us about um, where you're working? I know you're working with a Leeds-based studio. Um, what's your role there? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm just a junior programmer at the moment. Um, so I'm helping to sort of support the team, um, taking on... Um, some sort of smaller tasks to add features to the game. Where we've got a very early prototype game at the moment, um, so there's um, a lot of content to add and a lot of just sort of, um, sort of investigatory work at the moment, sort of just trying out new things and um, seeing how it goes um, and how it plays. So 
Um, Great. And and the, the studio in Leeds is um, is Red Kite oh, Games. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Red Kite Games. Brilliant. What about you, Eva? So I during the end of the apprenticeship, there is a placement period. So I was placed with the Chinese room in Brighton. Yeah. And I ended up being offered a permanent role in that studio again as a junior programmer which is honestly a dream come true. And I ended up working on an awesome game, which is actually my favorite of all the projects currently being worked at Sumo. That's fantastic. That It's so lovely to hear about a dream come true and working on a favorite game. That's, that's brilliant. Um, superb. And so for both of you, um, are you still passionate about playing for play's sake? Is, is it still something that you, you enjoy? Ruth, Ruth um, first of all. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I probably more, play a few more like uh, casuals or relaxing games now of, um, after when I get home after work. Um, but yeah, I think if anything, um, working on games has made me appreciate them even more. Now I have a better understanding of what goes into making them. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's really interesting. That that appreciation and understanding of what's behind the scenes. Great. And and Eva, are you still enjoying your your gaming on a personal level? On uh, is is it something that you are still fulfilled by? Yes, very much so. Uh, just because you're working on a game, it doesn't mean that you know there aren't. A million other games to play. Hmm. Um, I'm currently playing a lot of 2D platformers, which are challenging and sometimes infuriating, but it's also really nice to see how even a 2D game um, has just so much work and effort put into it. Indeed. Wow, that's great. So applications are about to open for this year's program so i wonder if i could advise uh, ask each of you to give your top pieces of advice for anyone thinking of applying to this year's program ruth first of all yes yeah, so um going back to my experience of um applying and going through that um sort of tutorial um play buffer tutorial and they just my main advice would be to remember that um, what they're looking for is your uh, approach to so problem solving and your eagerness to learn and your potential as a learner. So it's not so much about what you do, and what you produce, but how you produce it and being able to be able to talk through what you've done and talk through your approach. Um, yeah, is uh, really valuable. I think. Right. Super helpful. Thank you. And Eva. Um, my advice would be try to make the most of the resources provided during the application process and try not to be intimidated by C++ too much. Instead, maybe think of that dream job in a game studio and put everything you have into those projects you work on as part of your application and that won't go unnoticed by the, <laughs> by the <laughs> academy. Fantastic. Again, 
amazingly helpful. That's absolutely brilliant. I want to just say thank you, Eva. Thank you, Ruth, for joining us on the program today. Really interesting to hear about it. Wishing you both um, every success and happiness and fulfillment in your careers in the industry. And first, and, and just to wrap up, Eva, if, if there's anything you want to add in terms of general observations about the industry, any any further advice, open to you to do so. Anything else you'd like to say? Um, thank you for having us and for uh, spreading awareness about the apprenticeship. Um, it's just a, one first step to the industry being more open to everyone else and attracting a more diverse workforce. So it's a great step in that direction. And hopefully more companies start providing programs like this. Yes, that sounds like um, a real call to action. Brilliant. And Ruth? Uh, yeah, um, thank you for this opportunity. Um, yeah, say this uh, without this apprenticeship, I probably wouldn't have um, been able to make the switch in career. So, um, yeah, um, they're incredibly valuable. The practical experience you get, and um, I, it's I'm so grateful that uh, companies are offering these alternative routes into the industry. Wonderful. Well, Ruth. Eva, thanks ever so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you. We're open for Business Live. This is Business Live here on Sheffield Live, FM Radio, DAB Radio, online, and of course, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jamie Veach, and we've just been talking about a wonderful game apprenticeship programme. Details in the show notes. Now, it's been good to read about a new opening in the city centre. Sheffield has welcomed a retailer bringing products from Japan to South Yorkshire. Atelier Japan is based in a 300-year-old former toolmakers building and it sells authentic products created by people including a former samurai sword producer along with hand-painted traditional fans and intricately designed jewellery. The store opened on Saturday, August the 5th. It's a brainchild of a guest who's been on the show a few times, Johnny Pollock, founder of Mantra Media, and his business partner, Masa Kuno. And Johnny said that they had seen small family businesses in Japan that had been around for hundreds of years, struggling because the domestic market there was shrinking and they wanted to do something about it. And... They worked with the Kyoto Prefectural Government on the project to bring traditional arts and crafts for sale here in the UK. They set up an e-commerce platform, first of all, that proved popular, and now they've opened the Sheffield store. And it is um, in the city centre, and it's on Arundel Street. Well worth a look. Check it out. Atelier Japan. I'm looking forward to taking a look myself and looking forward to catching up with Johnny as well. It's International Youth Day today, Friday the 11th of August. What that means for Sheffield is that there's a celebration in the city at the English Institute of Sport from 12 till 4pm, free to attend um, International Youth Day celebration. Also on at the moment in the city centre and in Sheffield, we have the Sheffield by the Seaside until the 29th of August. Grab your bucket and spade for that. Go to the Peace Gardens, free entry to that. And Jurassic Week at Graves Park Animal Farm, 14th till the 18th of August. 
and there's uh, Keyside Market and lots of other things coming up soon. Go to the Welcome to Sheffield website for more details. If you're thinking of investing in an electric vehicle and you run a local business or charity or organisation in Sheffield, then Sheffield City Council has reopened its books for its popular electric van trial. There are 15 insured electric vans available to book, one-off admin fee of £200, and just go to the website to register your interest. That's... um, forms.sheffield.gov.uk and then apply for the electric van trial. I'll put the details in the show notes. And grants of between £10,000 and £75,000 are available to community organisations tackling the cost of living crisis. For new funding, find out more on the website locality.org.uk. That is it for this week's episode of Business Live. Thanks ever so much for tuning in. Thank you Sheffield Live for putting us on air and um, Don't forget, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Look up Business Live, Sheffield Live. Jamie Veach will be back on air soon. Thanks for listening. Sheffield Live. Made in Sheffield. Made by you.